everyone. It's such a blessing to be here. I promised my wife I wouldn't cry. I might have to break that promise, though. <laughs> But it's so nice to be here, and it's been a blessing to bask in your love during this whole year of furlough. We've had a lot of interaction with you, and we've been able to serve alongside you, which is such a blessing. And as you could see in that video, our children are a big part of our ministry, and it's nothing gives Marisol and me more joy than seeing our children serve the Lord. And as we watch missionary videos, they often make us look a lot better than we are in real life. So I, people tend to put missionaries way up here, but I'd invite you to bring missionaries down to the level of everyone else because we're all, uh, we're all members of the same team. God is allowing you to reach people that we as a family cannot reach. And so we're all in this together, and missionaries can't do what they do without the support and prayers of people back home. So your support and your prayers mean so much to us. Thank you very much. Today we're going to be talking about the glorious power of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It's God's power in our lives. It's not because of what we do, but God gives the power that changes people through salvation in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about one of our friends named Lydia. Lydia was the first person I met when I went to Ecuador for the first time in February 1998. I stayed with her and her family And we're, we've been good friends since then. She's a member of the Mother Church um, that, that, that sponsored our church plant in the city of Otavalo. And when I think of my friend Lydia, I also think of Paul's friend Lydia. Perhaps you've heard the story of Lydia from Acts 16. We're going to be talking about her this morning, and I hope that God can speak to all of us through the story of Lydia from Acts 16. So let's go there. We're going to read Acts 16, 6 through 15. You can follow along in your Bible, but we also have the text on the screen, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Acts 16, 6 through 15. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. May we pray. Lord, thank you for your word, which is a light to our path. And I pray that you would teach us all what you want us to learn from you today. May you put your words in my mouth. May the people not see me, but may they see you. I want to pray for my friend Peggy today, that you would give her your peace and all of her loved ones. We know that she's your daughter, and we leave her in your hands. Thank you for this time that we can share together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this story from Acts 16 was part of Paul's second missionary journey. We don't know the exact dates, but we think this happened sometime between A.D. 49 and 52. But the first thing I'd like to share with you about this passage is Paul's sensitivity to the gospel. Now, when we think about sharing the gospel with people, we often think about when and how. You know that we have the command to go, as I shared on the video, God's great commission, which we see in Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we know that this is what goes before us as Christians. God's command not just to keep the gospel to ourselves, but to share it with others. But in this passage, in verse 7, we see that the Holy Spirit did not allow them to go to the place where Paul and his co-laborers wanted to preach the gospel. It wasn't that the people there didn't need to know. The people in Bithynia needed the gospel, but God wanted to send Paul and his companions to another place. God always has a time and a way that he wants us to follow his leading in every moment of our lives. And they were sensitive to the gospel, Paul and then those who were with him. And at night, Paul received a vision with a man asking for help, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's where God wanted Paul to spend his time at that moment, to share with the people of Macedonia. And Paul responded to the call by going. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, have also received the call. I've heard people say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Oh, that's such a relief. I don't need to do that because there's other people who have the spiritual gift of evangelism. They can share and I can do something else. Friends, God gave all of us the call. It is true that there are people for whom evangelism comes more naturally. The spiritual gift of evangelism makes it easier for some people than it does for others. But that does not excuse the rest of us from sharing the gospel faithfully with people that God puts in our path every day. There's a lot of hurting people that we come in contact with every day. And as we pray and ask God to give us opportunities, that is a prayer that God is going to honor and God is going to answer. So I encourage you to pray for that. Paul, we see here, responded and obeyed right away in verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. There was no delay in Paul's sensitivity to the gospel. And that is a blessing to me because I see in my own life many times how I try to put it off and wait for another time. But Paul was sensitive to the gospel, and we should be too. The reason for that is because of the urgency of the gospel. 
We have a window of time in which we have to share with people. And if we're not faithful during that open window of time, sometimes we may not see someone again. Things happen, stuff happens in life. And we've seen that during the pandemic where people that were fine one day weren't fine the next day. Many of those people died. We need to realize that the gospel is urgent, friends. As Paul and Silas went to Philippi, it was a colony and major city in the province of Macedonia. It was along a major trade route. You can see some of the pictures of the ruins. This is ancient Philippi. There's also a modern Philippi, but this is the ancient part of the city, which would have been there when Paul and his companions were there. They stayed there only a few days, but they used the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. It's exciting because the men were going to, the, on the Sabbath, they went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. This is verse 13. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. They had gathered there to pray. They were there every Sabbath. So as Paul and Silas and the rest of his companions went there, they sat down and spoke with the women. They started talking to the women and they were able to turn the conversation to spiritual things in a natural way and I really love that how Paul was able to meet people where they were and through con conversation through asking questions he was able to ascertain their spiritual need and be able to share with them on their level. That flowed from Paul's heart and from his close relationship with Jesus Christ. That doesn't just happen. That happens when day by day we are seeking the spiritual disciplines in our lives and trying to be close to the Lord. And we also see how Jesus did that in the Gospels. When we think about how Jesus was by the, the well in Samaria, it wasn't by coincidence that Jesus was there. But God, um, he was there at the appointed time following the will of his father. And he shared with the woman of Samaria. And the same thing happened with Paul and Silas here in Philippi. They were able to share in a Christ and the gospel in a natural way. They didn't hit these people over the head with a scroll. It was they were able to share 
because of what God had done in their lives. They were able to share with these women in Philippi. And like Paul and Silas, do you and I seize natural opportunities in life to share the good news with others? As we're sitting down over lunch at work and as we're talking with people, are we looking for ways to introduce Jesus into the conversation? That's, I, I would have to say, that's been easier over the past few years with the pandemic because people have been face to face with their own mortality. They've lost friends, they've lost family members, and so they're more aware of that this life is short and this life is fragile. And so we're able to also do like Paul and Silas, to look for ways to introduce Jesus into the conversations in our lives and with the people that God puts in our path. Well, one of these women was Lydia, a, peep, a seller of purple cloth, which was one of the finest cloths of that day. We believe that Lydia would have been a wealthy woman, a business person. And we see that she believed in God. She was with the other ladies who were in a place of prayer. They prayed here on the Sabbath. So she was, uh, as the passage says in verse 14, she was a worshiper of God, which means she believed in God. She was here with the women praying. But as far as we know, she was not a Jesus follower. And that's something that we see in our society, in our world today. Many people believe in God. They have this abstract belief in God, which often doesn't mean very much. They may be people, they may pray. I have a lot of unsaved people tell me that they pray. They may go to church or, or go to a Bible study or something, but they're not true Jesus followers. As Paul was sharing on this day, the passage says in verse 14 at the end, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So God, through this time that Lydia was spending with Paul and Silas and the others, God opened her heart and she responded to the gospel. That's the power of the gospel for salvation. When someone's heart responds and receives the gospel in their own life. That's why it was urgent, because God had prepared Lydia's heart to receive the gospel on that day. 
And then we see the result of the gospel. What happened in Acts 15a when she and the members of her household were baptized. Lydia and was baptized with her family. And that's really an important first step of obedience when someone comes to faith in Christ. I'm always perplexed when some people may go 5, 10, even 15 years before they follow the Lord in baptism. And that's been an encouragement to my family and me during this year to be able to witness a few baptismal services here. That's so exciting because people are testifying to their faith in Christ when they get baptized. And it's such an important first step of obedience. So we know that Lydia and her family's lives were changed when they got baptized and when they were identifying themselves as Jesus believers. You can actually visit the site today in northeastern Greece where Philippi is. There's actually a, a memorial there at where they believe that Lydia and her family got baptized. It's not important, a memorial. It's what is important was that Lydia and her family's lives were changed. And we see later on here in verse 15, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. God gave her the ability to show hospitality to Paul and Silas and the others. God put love in her heart and she shared it. Now, Paul and Silas wouldn't have had a place to stay at in Philippi. They would have had to rely on invitations of people for hospitality since that they weren't from there. And so God used Lydia to minister to their immediate needs while they were in Philippi for a few days sharing. So the result of the gospel, Lydia was a seller of purple. And we see that the woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to the gospel and she received the gospel in her own life that day. The gospel brings people together. As Pastor Paul read, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 8, Galatians 3, 28. We live in a society that tends 
to divide. We see so many divisions in different areas and in different categories, but the gospel is to bring everybody together. We're not supposed to make racial distinctions or social distinctions or even gender distinctions of male nor female. It, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the gospel brings people together. Going back to Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Why does the gospel have power to change lives? Because it's God's good news. God's good news brings power and it's unlike any kind of power that we can see here on earth. Here on earth, power, all kinds of power is celebrated, but none of the power that's celebrated here on earth can compare to the power of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 2, I came across this verse while I was reading a couple days ago. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's so powerful, right? How God the, the Father sent Jesus to earth to live among us. Jesus shared in our humanity so that he could die. And through that death, he broke the power of him who holds the power of death. He broke Satan's power. And that's such, uh, that really humbles me that God chooses to use us. God chooses to use all of us as his followers to share in spreading the gospel with other people. He uses us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our sin, in spite of the things that we do every day that do not please him. He still chooses to use us. My son and I were taking a jungle tour a few years ago. And when our, it's, we were in a small passenger plane because the jungles of Ecuador are such that you can't get many places other than by passenger plane or by canoe. Well, when our plane set down, this man 
came running over to the plane. We got out, and he started praying. Now, he was praying in a language that we couldn't understand because it, we speak Spanish, but he was speaking a tribal language. Well, we were curious about who this, who this man was. His name was Dewey. Dewey was one of the six warriors who killed Jim Elliott and his friends in 1956. Now he is a Christian and an elder in the Wadani church. Folks, only God's power can do something like that. Only God's grace can work such a transformation. Dewey shared that, and he shared to an interpreter, as I said, he doesn't speak Spanish other than a few phrases. He shared how God had changed his life from a life of violence and hate to a life of love and peace. That's what God wants to continue to do in people's lives today. We've been enjoying this summer seeing fireflies. We don't have fireflies in Ecuador, so our kids always like seeing them when we come here. But fireflies, you know, when there's just one, it doesn't make a lot of light. But when you see a whole bunch of them together, it starts lighting up the darkness. That's what God calls you and me to do. Billy Graham said, we have the light. We must let it shine, even though it seems like a small candle in this world of darkness. It is our job to let it shine. Light casts out the darkness and attracts people in darkness to it. Romans 10 12 to 14, Pastor Paul already read it, but I'll read it again. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, the question for us is, what are we going to do about this? We need to wear the smile of Jesus on our faces so that people can see Jesus on our face. We need to speak the words of Jesus with our tongues. And we need to live the gospel of Jesus with our hands and feet, showing love to people.